Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's May 11th, which I'm sure you know what that means. It's NFL Schedule Release Day, a.k.a. NFL Schedule Leak Day. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I'm very excited that you're joining us today to discuss the Chicago Bears 2021 schedule. Today, I'm joined by Mason West. That's right. No Nicholas Moriano in this episode. Uh, He's got some very important work that he's taking care of for a school project. Can't get in the way of that, but Mason, I want to thank you, first of all, for pinch hitting here, even though you're becoming a regular. How's it going, man? Going pretty good. You know, uh, teamwork by definition, you step up and others, you know, can't necessarily be there. You know, next man up mentality. That's right. Next man up. And I'm glad to have you on. I was planning on bringing you on here anyway. So I'm excited to kind of pick your brain as the bear schedule did leak out here earlier this evening. And honestly, though, with the 17 game schedule, I don't know about you, Mason, but I find it kind of awkward, uh, both with our record predictions that we'll get into later on the show, just breaking down the season in general. I always pay homage to Lovey Smith and I love breaking down the season into quarters. And now that doesn't really work anymore. So how about I stick with the quarters and we'll make that 17th game. We'll call it overtime. Hey, that's perfect. And at the end of the day, right, you want, you're probably going to be in a situation where that final game is going to matter. So that's puts a little extra emphasis on it by throwing overtime on it. There we go. OT, it's where it's at. But Mason, I'm excited to jump right in and talk about this schedule. Are you ready to dive in as well? Let's do it. All right, so let's go into quarter number one. And I'm going to do this, uh, the style that I typically do, uh, which I'll talk about all four games, just kind of list them out in a quarter, and then we'll discuss which big storylines we're following for each of them. So week one, the Bears are going to kick off in L.A. to take on the Rams, who finished last season 10-6 and on Sunday night football. The Rams finished last year 17th in total offense, 22nd in points scored, 1st in total defense, and 2nd in points allowed. Then the Bears jump home. First home game of the year is going to be against Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, who finished last year 4-11-1. This looks to be a noon kickoff game, and the Bengals finished last year 30th in total offense, 29th in points scored, 26th in total defense, and 21st in points allowed. Week three, back on the road. Maybe you're starting to see a pattern here. The Bears will go on the road to take on the Browns in Cleveland, who finished last year 11-5. This is another noon game. The Browns finished last year 16th in total offense, 13th in points scored, 21st in total defense, and 22nd in points allowed. And then to wrap up this quarter, the Bears bounce back home. Week 4, October 4th, against the Lions, who finished last season 5-11. and who also finished last year 20th in total offense, 20th in points scored, dead last in total defense, and also dead last in points allowed. So Mason, out of these first four games, uh, Rams, Bengals, Browns, and Lions, what are what's the biggest storyline that sticks out to you? I don't care which game it is, but when you look at these four games, what stands out? 
I mean, I think you have to go with pretty much right away that LA Rams game. Um, it really sets the tone, the fact that it's going to be a Sunday night football game, which I always honestly hate, especially to start the year because you're just waiting all day for that Bears game. True. But, you know, you're going to have Matt Stafford, right, coming, coming into town with a brand new team that hasn't had like the most success against the Bears if you look at the overall record. But at the end of the day, you know, with this new – with this new setup he has with Sean McVay at the helm, is he going to be able to come in and kind of get that you say monkey off the back of being able to consistently win against the Bears? And at this point in time, this is the fourth straight season that the Bears and the Rams have played in primetime and third in a row in L.A., uh, which the Bears won at Soldier Field back in 2018, of course, with that very low scoring affair in the cold and lost in L.A. the last two seasons. So there's a bit of a rivalry now being created. You know, you go back to storylines like the Bears wanting to draft Aaron Donald, the Rams jumping up and taking him right before. Then they had to get Kyle Fuller, who's no longer on the team. So that's going to there's a whole storyline there. Leonard Floyd getting the contract extension. I mean, there's just so many of these connections that are there. So it's hard not to be interested in how this is going to pan out for them. Yeah, that's a game, right? You mentioned it, rivalry. So you're starting to feel that too when it comes to the Rams, just because it feels like we're playing them each and every season. It feels like the home team is the one that kind of prevails right now throughout this series. And you said it, the Bears have lost the last two in Los Angeles. So I'm curious, maybe the third time here is the charm. And I know Matthew Stafford, just like Jared Goff, and we'll talk about him later when we get to the Lions matchups, you know, mixed bag uh, in terms of the results going up against this Bears. So we'll see if that one breaks even or not. When I'm just looking at some of these other games, though, when I see the Bengals, I don't know if I get more excited about a potential matchup between like a Joe Burrow, a Justin Fields, or do you throw out that Andy Dalton revenge game? If Andy Dalton does start week one and it carries over to week two, going up against his former team where he played the vast majority of his career, where he was drafted in the first round, the Bengals. That would be an interesting storyline for me to follow as well. And then I want to mention, to me it's weird, this is only the 12th meeting ever between the Bengals and the Bears, which I thought was, I always thought there was more uh, than just 11 previous matchups between these two. Uh, the Browns, fun fact, Mason, the Bears have won the last three meetings by an average of 16 points each. I didn't know that. That's crazy. You know, I mean, if you actually look at it, I did know this, though. I mean, they've only played. They're 9-7 and seven currently. Uh, the Browns are leading that series. Uh, the Bears did win the last one, 38-31, in a bit of a shootout back in 2013, which was nice. But uh, the Browns matchup is, you know, you always see the Browns. I still have this kind of built in me where I'm like, ugh, the Browns. But, you know, I haven't really come over to the other side yet where it's like, they're actually a really good team with exciting players um, and a lot of young players too. And that still hasn't quite set in yet, but I think that's also because the Bears really haven't had a chance to play them too often. I think I'm excited that we play the Browns as early as we do, because when you look at the talent on both sides of the football, they're a pretty stacked team. They have a lot of offensive firepower and they have a defense that you shouldn't really, you know, I know last year they didn't finish and that, you know, the top echelon of defenses, but still, I think with some of their additions this offseason and with another year, should be a better unit. And I'm glad we're going to see them early before maybe all this talent can start building some chemistry. Uh, and again, only 11-5 last year, so it's not like they're a slouch of a team. But yes, it's the Browns, and it takes a while to kind of change some of the perspe uh, perspective on that as well. And then just the Lions, Jared Goff. Uh, he is 2-1 and one against the Bears in his career, but 56%. Uh, his passes completed against this defense, only a 59.7 passer rating, two touchdowns to five interceptions. And Mason, I think the big difference between Goff as a Lion quarterback versus the Rams quarterback, he's not going to have that defense to bail him out like he did in L.A. Yeah, he also had, you know, I mean, Sean McVay is a huge, you know, game changer for that. You know, you heard all the stories about how McVay would be, you know, basically telling him the plays and how to adjust at the line all the way up until they would cut off the communication. And so really it was like McVay was actually purveying and seeing the field and then letting golf carry out his orders in that way. And so now he's got Dan Campbell, a head coach who is interesting, <laughs> an individual when you hear to the way that he talks, but he's not Sean McVay. And you also see some of the weapons that the Lions lost, right? They lost two of their top receivers. They did draft one um, that was I'm really interested in. I kind of wish the Bears had been able to get their hands on, but, you know, they're not the same. There's no Marvin Jones there. There's no Kenny Galladay there, even though Galladay was hurt a lot the last couple of years, specifically last year. And 
the same thing like with with golf yes he's won but like you said it was more so the defense that won right it was the aaron donald and it was the ramses of the world that was doing a lot more truly than golf was yeah and his defense now in detroit again finished last season dead last in yards and points allowed so he's gonna have to carry a lot more weight on his shoulders there in Detroit than he did over there in LA. Is there any other bigger storylines or anything that just jumps at you here for the first quarter of the 2021 Chicago Bears season? Not particularly. I think the way that it's set up, it's going to be very friendly for what I still believe is going to be the beginning of the Andy Dalton saga. Um, I think that they're going to be able to get a snag, a couple wins in there that to be quite honest, keeps fields on the bench. So get ready for uh, Andy Dalton. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I see that too, right? Week one on the road, you're going up against a really good defense, but then things get kind of easier there uh, with the Bengals, the Browns, and the Lions. Those are defenses that I would envision Andy Dalton with Matt Nagy, this offense, could put up yards, should be able to put up some points as well, and win some of these games. So if that all kind of works out, then there is no, I guess, added pressure to start Justin Fields. And uh, it's interesting that you're coming to that same conclusion as I am. And I know there's a few comments as well in the chat wondering, when are we going to expect Justin Fields to play? Well, we'll get to that here. After we break down all the games, we'll have some bigger questions, kind of look at the big picture. And one of those is our prediction of when Justin Fields will play his first down. I think I technically worded it as first start as a Chicago Bear, but uh, bear with us and we'll get there very shortly but mason with your permission i'm ready to move on to quarter number two let's do it all right week five october 10th we're going to travel to las vegas i almost said los angeles which is incorrect almost said oakland which is also incorrect las vegas to take on the raiders who finished last year eight and eight total offense eight points scored 10th total defense 25th points allowed 30. Week six, we get an early taste of the Packers, who, of course, finished last year at 13 and three. This is going to be a noon game, it looks like. I don't need to tell you the stats, how good Green Bay was last year, but I'm going to do it anyway. Second in total offense, first in points scored, seventh in total defense, and 15th in points allowed. And then we go on the road to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, last year's Super Bowl champs, who finished 11 and five. This is a 325 kickoff game, who also finished last year in the top 10 and everything. Ninth in total offense, second in points scored, eighth in total defense, and seventh in points allowed. Although the Bears did get the upper edge on that. Want to make sure I say it now. I'm going to say it again later. And then week eight to round out the second quarter of the season. We're going to be at home against the 49ers who finished last year 6-10 and 10, with Trey Lance, by the way. 14th in total offense, 21st in points scored, fourth in total defense, and 17 in points allowed. So, Mason, looking at this slate of games, just like the last one, what stands out, man? Every single time I look at a cluster of games and I see a divisional opponent, especially if it's the Packers, my eyes just go there. I just can't help it. You know, if you win your division, you're doing well that season. The rest of the games don't matter, obviously, but you have to win your division. And obviously with all the stuff that's currently going on with Aaron Rodgers, all the questions, you know, the Devontae Adams comments that are going on. You heard the news today, Blake Bortles got signed, you know, not exactly a world beater, but they're preparing for potentially a world without Aaron, one would imagine. Um, Not a lot of confidence, it seems like, in Jordan Love. You hear some of the sports writer talking on that side. I just always gravitate to a Green Bay Bears game. It's just, it's in my blood as a Bears fan. <laughs> you know, now, of course, secondarily, I can't help also about thinking about that Raiders game, you know, because the last one was not pretty in, in London. So that, that would be, it's kind of a 1A, 1B scenario, but if I got to pick, it's the Packers game. Yeah, that Packers game stands out. I, in my notes, I have, we did, we have lost 19 in the last 22. We all know the monkey on our back when it comes to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Only one win in the Matt Nagy era here, which came in December of 2018. And we've lost by multiple scores in both meetings last year. They whooped us. And we need to find a way to change that. Aaron Rodgers potentially exiting the Packers is by far the easiest path towards it. But we don't know if that's really a certainty. I, I feel like every offseason we hear about a, you know, a riff between... Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and by the time September rolls around, they're all singing Kumbaya yet again. So I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself, um, but if he is somehow escaped from Green Bay, uh, that would really help us. Uh, looking at the Raiders game, 
I think Mason, we all know all the talk is going to be about the Khalil Mack trade that whole week. And, you know, who's winning that trade, how it's shaking out, how it's changed the trajectory of each of the franchises. Uh, but I think a sneaky under the radar storyline is going to be Nick Kowski and the Bears letting him walk in favor of Danny Trevathan last offseason. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit of a Nick Kowski revenge game here for week five as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the things when that first happened, they chose Danny Trevathan over Nick Kowski, especially in light of the fact that the kind of off season and they were going to have or lack thereof, I guess you could really say, you know, I, I was pretty upset that they let him go. And I think we did see that, especially the first half of the season, as it took a while for Trevathan to get his legs underneath him. There's, and even still yet, there, there has to be a question mark. What is, how is Trevathan going to come into camp? And again, camp is going to be shortened. And again, the preseason is not going to be the same. So is there still going to be some time that he still needs to get his legs back under him? Um, and uh, I do, I do miss Quick. He had some great games. He really did. He did. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that was that's one of those that still stings just a little bit. Uh, drafting a guy in the fourth round, watching him develop, and then watching him walk. Uh, not usually the path that you want to see, but that's the situation uh, at hand. Other than that, I'm really excited to see where the season's at by the time we get to week seven against the Buccaneers. I know it's a team that we beat last year early on. You know, Tom Brady thought, forgot what down it was. Uh, the Bears were able to beat them uh, at home. Going on the road is a little bit of a different story. And, you know, Tom Brady, who's never lost to the Bears prior to that meeting, doesn't want to add another loss to his record over there. So I think we'll get the best uh, out of Brady there. And it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. And then week eight, Potential Trey Lance versus Justin Fields? Wouldn't that be something? And I bet you uh, Justin would love to get out there on the field for that game as well, uh, if that's really the case, uh, to kind of you know show up uh, a quarterback that was drafted uh, ahead of him. Uh, so those are just items in my mind right now. How about you? Anything else here in this slate? And so leading up to and throughout the whole draft process, you know, the conversation about Trey Lance was never about how this skill set. It was just always about how ready was he? Like he has, he had a few, very few snaps, less than Mitch Trubisky did when he got drafted. He had one game last year that was put together basically to showcase his skills and he did not do very well. And at the end of the day, he's currently behind a quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo that, you know, the bears obviously had connections to and had desires at one point to get uh, multiple teams did even reached out as we heard when there was discussions about, you know, either Trey Lance or Mac Jones being drafted at that slot. And so it seems like it's going to be a really long path potentially for Trey Lance to actually overtake. Because let's not forget, San Francisco was in the Super Bowl two years ago with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm. So it's not like it's just a easy pathway for him to get there. So at, with that being said, and also they were just decimated by injuries last year. San Francisco is going to be, I think, coming back really hard this year with you know Bosa back from his ACL and all those things. That's going to be a very sneaky, hard game. Because a lot of people kind of, I think, view them worse than they truly are because of how ravaged by injuries and everything like that that they were. That's a good point. Uh, actually, I have very similar notes later on. In my show. Dude, you, you feel in Nick's seat so well because you just <laughs> think that. alike. And then it's easy for me to point out what I had as well. And we can all uh, come to an agreement pretty quickly. So you're doing a great job uh, filling in here for Mr. Moriano. So that's going to do it here for quarter number two. And I also need to... Oh. Breaking news, by the way, this important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement and the news that you've been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. This new trimmer was just released just a few days ago, and we were one of the first ones to get our hands on it and share the news. So join over the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you, our listeners. You can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That is F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D 20 at manscaped.com. Their advanced ceramic blade and skin safe technology is so good that it almost seems as Manscaped worked with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure that your testes are as safe as possible. So what makes this trimmer different than the other ones? Well, a new multi-function on-off switch can engage a travel lock created for people who like to travel, which we're all getting back to that now here in 2021. And the Lawnmower 4.0 also gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise 
precise shave. And I have all month to tell you how much I love this product and why you should get it. But I'm gonna stop there just for now. But again, you can pick up the lawnmower 4.0 at manscaped.com and you can also get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. So unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, you're listening to the Chicago Audible. I'm Russell DeWitt. Join with me is Mason West, and we are breaking down the newly released or leaked. Is it officially released yet, Mason, by the way? I don't even know. They have a whole show that was dedicated starting at 6.30. I don't know how much pomp and circumstance they were going to have before they actually let it get, let it happen. Well, I'm going to say it's still officially, it's out there. The schedule is out there, and we are talking about it, and I think that's the best way we can go ahead and state it right now. So we're jumping into the third quarter here of the season, which brings us here to week nine, November 8th. And the Bears are hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers, who finished 12-4 and last year on Monday Night Football. The Steelers last year finished 22nd in total offense, 12th in points scored, 3rd in total defense, and 5th in points allowed. We'll follow that up with a week 10 bye week. And now essentially, let's pause here because this is a bye week. And so we can actually take a moment to reflect here. So week 10 bye, that's after nine games played, which means there are eight regular season games after the bye. Mason, I know you and I were just chatting earlier when we didn't know when this was going to fall. I'm so glad it wasn't like a week six. And I'm so happy it's right here, smack dab in the middle of the schedule here for the Bears. I don't think we could have had much better timing at least in my opinion, but you're the physical therapist here. You're the guy uh, who understands what toll this can take on a football player's body and uh, rest and recovery. And I just, I'm just curious to just your thoughts about what a week 10 by, I guess, could mean uh, compared to maybe one earlier in the season. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I really thought the players association would push a lot harder in terms of adding that other game to push for a second bye week. Um, just because it's still, even though it's night, this one is settled nicely right in the middle. Obviously, there are going to be a lot of teams that are either on either end of that. Um, and that's still a lot of stress that's going to be going into the body, having played, was that, nine games before this. But having it here, the Bears are going to be set up much better off than they were last year when they had you know, like a very early bye uh, going forward. And by taking that time, being able to rest and recover, they're going to be set up then for those following games to hit the ground running. And the good thing is, too, is you have a really late buy, not only having a late recovery, but you also need to kind of blow the dust off a little bit when it comes to making that playoff push. So if you're a team that really thinks that you're going to be going deeper in the playoff run, you want to have a good number of games under your belt leading right into it. And that's where a lot of times you see some of those teams that have buys at the beginning getting of the playoffs, they actually come out a little sluggish too. So this is really settled perfectly and to get the maximum recovery you can while at the same time staying on top of it and having that muscle memory and everything where you need it to be later in the season. Well said. And that's why we have you on. And that's why I'm excited about this week 10 by week for the Chicago Bears. And I'm happy they have a bye week because this defense, they're going to need a little bit of rest and have their legs Ready to go because week 11 at home, the Bears will be taking on the Baltimore Ravens. 11-5 noon game, uh, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, first thing that comes to mind. Last year, 19th in total offense, 9th in points scored, but their defense is no slouch either. 6th uh, in total defense, 1st in points allowed. Week 12, we'll follow that up with a Thanksgiving matchup, another Thanksgiving matchup against the Detroit Lions. Mason, what are your thoughts about another Thanksgiving matchup? I would exp I know you have probably a different experience than Nick and I we've had in the past of, you know, technically working these days. This is a very important day for me right now uh, as well, uh, looking at my life and some plans that I have here going out with my family. Uh, so it's, I'm real curious to see how this is going to kind of turn out for me. Um, but what are your thoughts about uh, Bears, Lions, Thanksgiving yet again? I personally am not a huge fan of it just because I end up being the I'm I cook a lot on Thanksgiving. Like I'm all on the turkey um, and I'm a captain of at least two or three of the sides. So I always feel like I'm bouncing back and forth between the deep, depending on the timing of the game, right? Then you're sitting down and trying to eat dinner. So if you have one of the later games, now all of a sudden you're trying to take away from family time and you're just like, wait, hold on, I gotta watch this play. <laughs> as you're trying to like, you know, not, you know, beat your sister or mother in, in Monopoly, which is kind of what we do. We play a lot of board games. So oh. I personally don't love it. <laughs> I, I, but at the same time, it is still a nationally televised game and it's still cool to have 
your football team being on national television. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I like that you are a big cook on Thanksgiving. Uh, I understand that fully, very much in the same boat. Uh, so for the turkey, uh, are you a, a briner? Are you a deep fryer? What do you do? Oh, do you change to. it up by year? Brine. I do. I've done a brine pretty much every year, you know, over the 24 hours overnight at least. Uh, I, got, I go with the Alton Brown brining recipe off of Food Network if anyone's interested. Dude, we're like, usually... like are, are we becoming best friends? Because that's what I do. <laughs> you get the allspice in there. You get the, you know, the aromatics with the onion, the apple, and all the all the herbs in there too. And the peppercorns. So Dude, that's so good. I, I, we can make some turkey together. And it would be the same thing because we do the same recipe. Uh, uh, wow. The most popular recipe in the world and we share it. Who knew? <laughs> but yes, Bears, Lions, Thanksgiving. I'll say it. Uh, my wife and I are expecting, and that is the proposed due date right now, which is Thanksgiving. So we're very excited about that uh, here in the DeWitt household. And then week 13 to follow up, to round out this quarter versus the Cardinals. 8-8 uh, eight and eight last year. Kyler, Kyler Murray, 6th uh, in total offense, 14th in points scored, 13th in total defense, and 12th in points allowed. Uh, Mason, I've been deferring to you for all these storylines to jump out. So I'll let you know what kind of sticks out to me. It's more of a personal one. But it's going to be that Week 11 Ravens game because this is the first meeting in Chicago since I think 2013 uh, was the year. Uh, what I call it the tornado game. It may have been 2012. Uh, but I was at it. Uh, I just turned 21. Uh, we just we And it was a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour hiatus uh, in between uh, play because we had that severe weather. And it was just... All the fans had to go from the stands in Soldier Field. And, you know, it's not a lot of area in the lobbies and like where the concessions are at. We all had to stand there, and they weren't serving food, but they were serving beer. And that was a, a really good two hours. A lot of his Bears fans and becoming best friends with everyone he ever met. And then also, they come out there. Robbie Gold wins it in overtime. And this is one of my favorite going-to-a-Bears game uh, memories. And I think the last meeting, too, uh, we won in overtime. But that time, it was Connor Barth. So both were Bears wins in overtime against the Ravens. But what stands out to you when you look at this quarter of the season? It gets, besides the Lions here, and I'm not going to sleep on them too much, this is a pretty tough stretch. Yeah, we'll get to this when we kind of like talk about our what our early predictions and everything like that. But I think this is going to be one of the tougher quarters that they have. Um, this I, the game is going to be interesting too, just because like this they actually have a pretty good record overall against the Steelers. I believe the last time that I remember them playing might have been that Marcus Cooper fumble at halftime game yep. in 2017. Um, so probably will turn out in that way. But the game that I'm the most excited for is going to be the Arizona game. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the Bears defense with Sean Desai matches up against an offense like that. It's a very quick offense, right? Spreads you out a lot. And then with DeAndre Hopkins, how's that corner situation going to work out? Right? Are you going to have Jalen Johnson? Is That's going to be a big prove-it game for him. Can he cover a number one? Are you going to have a shadow? Or are you going to have just play the halves? And then seeing who's your number two right now. Is Drew Font going to be able to hold up his end of the bargain? You know, we did hear... The Bears might have had some interest in Nelson, who's you know from the Steelers, so maybe they're not totally settled at corner quite yet. So the matchups there are something that I'm gonna be really interested in seeing. Has Ben Roethlisberger ever beaten the Chicago Bears? I saw from Josh Lopez in our chat that Big Ben's 0-4 against the Bears, and that had me thinking. I can't recall Ben Roethlisberger beating the Chicago Bears. I'm gonna look that up here in just a moment, unless you can beat me to it. I have a couple storylines I'll talk to, so it depends how quick your fingers can be there on the keyboard. Uh, when I'm looking at this one, uh, you mentioned Kyler Murray. Uh, it's another fast, speedy quarterback that the Bears are going to have to contain. And I'm glad that two of them come here after the bye week as well. And still, and we talked about it, we don't know when Justin Fields will start here, play this season, but I would love to see a matchup between Fields and Lamar Jackson, Fields and Kyler Murray, getting some of these young quarterbacks in the NFL and kind of kicking off and really establishing, at least from my perspective, that new era here in the NFL, of this younger group of quarterbacks that are starting to take charge here throughout the league. And then the Steelers. Uh, I'm actually a little upset that you, you know, you brought up the Marcus Cooper, but you totally forgot to mention this is the Rashad Coward revenge game because he signed with Pittsburgh this offseason. And that's, to me, out of all the games, all the storylines, that's the biggest one. And I'm surprised that we're not talking about it, you know, this whole episode. How could I forget with Rashad Coward, you know, having his wife drop on, I think it was Twitch, that he was going to be signing with a different team. Like, I can't believe I forgot about that. 
<laughs> and then Artie Burns, if he makes the team, uh, that would be an interesting one as well, just because uh, that's where he was a, f- a former first-round pick who lost his starting job, came to Chicago, got hurt last year, as we know. But if he ends up making the team, it's just one of those extra uh, revenge games uh, as well, if you want to kind of point it out to it. Um, but let's look here. I'm looking. I look like the Bears won in 2017. The Bears won in 2013. The Bears won in 20, 2009. Uh, 2005 they lost, but I don't know if Roethlisberger was playing. I'm looking it up. Jerome Bettis. Yep, Ben Roethlisberger. So he's one and three uh, against the Bears. See? And that's why we check stats here to make sure that we have it all solidified. And then the Cardinals, though, maybe if uh, another one, at least I like looking at revenges and guys going from team to team. Uh, Angelo Blackson, uh, the defensive lineman that we signed this offseason and as well will be going up against his former team. Uh, outside of that, if Justin Fields plays, we're going to see a lot of speed from the quarterback position in this stretch of the season. Uh, anything else that you want to mention here? I think pretty much overall you covered it. Um, the only thing, just maybe throwing it on that Baltimore game, like you said, they're such a run heavy team. And for whatever reason, it seems like, you know, the bears have struggled a bit defending the run, you know, with a guy like JK Dobbins. And then of course, Lamar Jackson is, you know, half running back a quarterback himself, like similar to that, uh, similar to that other game that we were just talking about in terms of the Cardinals going to be really interesting to see how an older defense is able to match up with that much speed. Yep. It's, it's going to get real and we're getting late in the season. It's a longer season. Again, the buy falls may be in a good spot, but how much, Mason, could that actually refresh them for the rest of the season? Or is that like a short maybe rebound for a week or two and then you kind of get back into the same shape you were prior? Just curious from your perspective. It's amazing how much lunch that actually does carry over. You know, having just it could, having that whole week off and part of it, even just the mentality. You know, there's there's so there's a lot of studies out there that really correlate your mental state in ter- also to your physical well-being. So being able to go home, being around your family, being able to shut your brain off from football from a little bit, you actually see, you know, those individuals and maybe this even connected sometimes to those players. They had the stories like with Mitch, how he during the bye weeks would never even go home. He was just trying to study so much. You end up just breaking down even more. So you've got to be able to turn that brain off and get a true reset. Yeah, you don't want that burnout. It's real. It, that's for anyone out there. If you're suffering from it, I've been there. Take a break. Uh, take a breather. Uh, take yourself a bye week if you can. All right, jumping into the final quarter of the season. We still have overtime, but this is the final quarter of the season. Week 14, December 12th, going on the road to Lambeau Field. Sunday night football against the Packers. Then we'll follow it up with another divisional opponent. Back at home, though, December 20th against the Vikings. But another primetime game, Monday Night Football. So back-to-back under-the-light games for the Bears. Vikings, of course, last season, by the way, takes 15 weeks to meet Minnesota this year. And I feel like last year is very late in the season as well. Uh, So the Vikings last year finished third in total offense, 11th in points scored, and then defense, not really Minnesota fashion, 27th in total defense and 29th in points allowed. Then week 16, heading back to the West Coast. The take on the Seattle Seahawks the day after Christmas. 12 and 4 last year, the Seahawks were 18th in total offense, 7th point scored, 22nd in total defense, and 16th in points allowed. And to wrap out this quarter, week 17, which feels so weird to say it's not the last week of the season, and that the first week of January or that first weekend of January is not the last one of the regular season as well. So weird, but we're doing it. January 2nd versus the Giants, 6-10 and 10 last year, a noon game. Uh, they were pretty bad in offense last year, 31st in both total and points scored. Of course, they lost Saquon Barkley in the game that they faced us last year very early, which hurt them. And then on defense, a much better group, 12th in total defense and 9th in points allowed. So, Mason, last quarter of the season, it's very heavy in terms of divisional games. Well, it's 50%, but I'm going to say that's pretty heavy when you get to this end of the season, considering that the overtime is the Vikings again. I guess we can just throw them in there if we want, uh, just because what are we going to say about the Vikings that we're not going to say already? So we play the Vikings twice in the final five games, the Packers once, the Seahawks, and the Giants. That's an interesting stretch, to say the least, uh, because if the Giants can get that offense back going, Daniel Jones takes a step, Saquon Barkley's healthy, they're going to be tougher than their record indicated to last season. So when you look at this slate of games, 
what to you is the major storylines to follow? The NFL thinks it's going to be field time. I think that's one of the first <laughs> thing. With that many primetime games, that many divisional games, you throw in a game against Seattle where you know there's, there's the storyline, of course, of the Bears trying to get Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll at the last second saying no because I'm old and I don't want to rebuild. And, you know, Justin Fields talking about how he models his game after Russell Wilson. I mean, they're saying that we're going to hold off and assume that by this time, Russell Wilson, or sorry, excuse me, Justin Fields is going to be a part of this. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking too. I'm just curious because I know how complicated making an NFL schedule is if they did flex some of these games after the draft because that's not hard. If you already have the opponent slated by week, you can move the time slots. So that's something that's been on my mind throughout the day as well. When I started seeing some of these games get leaked later in the season and those primetime ones specifically, and then, of course, the Seahawks game too, it's, it's pointing into, like you said, Justin Fields' time. The NFL at least expects it to, to happen by this i won't say around this time probably prior um but it, it does shape up to look that way so you mentioned seattle do you remember the last bears game in seattle i do not good what was the last bears game? i'm glad you have the amnesia uh, that is what i call the jimmy clausen game uh where we had no first downs oh, the entire game so i'm glad you didn't yeah, remember I, that i'm pretty sure i just refused to watch that one to be quite honest <laughs> That was one of our very first post-game shows uh, that we ever did. And uh, my original co-host, Brandon, it was just the two of us. It was before we met Nick. And he froze out at about the 10-minute mark, and his internet totally crashed. So it's me and like my third-ever post-game show, doing a podcast ever my whole life, trying to talk about Bears, Seahawks, and that atrocious game with Jimmy Colossin. And that was one of the hardest tasks uh, I've ever had her do in my life, and I'm glad I stuck with this podcast uh, because that was one of the more demoralizing <laughs> whole days of my entire life. So that's one of the first things that came to my mind here looking at the schedule. Uh, then if you're looking at revenge games, which I love to do, if you can't tell by now, Jimmy Graham, Jermaine Effetti, uh, those will be two to watch there as well. And then uh, the Giants, I mentioned, uh, that's the team. Well, we were the team that Saquon uh, was out for the rest of the year when he hurt his ACL, right? ACL or Achilles, one of the two. I forget. Thank you. And then this is also the team that we did trade up in the draft with this year uh, to go ahead and get Justin Fields. So just not really a storyline, but I bet you they'll talk about it at one point that week, like, hey, the Bears traded with the Giants in order to move up to get the starting quarterback, Justin Fields. So that's this one other storyline I want to make sure. And then when you're looking here as well, I guess this Minnesota in general, I'm very pleased the more I look back at how well we've played them in the Matt Nagy era. Uh, we've won five of six uh, against them, including the last two regular season finales against them, which were both in Minnesota and both were under Matt Nagy. So to end the season in Minnesota, uh, it feels like it's not a shoe in, but it feels like if history is on our side, it should be a good game in our favor. And depending on how the schedule breaks and what the record's at, that week 18 game uh, could be a big one here for the bears as well. But uh, what about you, Mason? Any other big talking points here for the final quarter slash overtime of the 2021 season? Yeah, those Minnesota games are always really interesting. Like you said, Matt and Aggie's kind of had their card. Uh, the only time they didn't was last year when you're dealing with Nick Foles throwing for only 106 yards and your leading rusher being Cordero Patterson for 30 yards. It's a little Whoa. hard to win a football game. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you, and you only lost 19 to 13 with those kinds of stats. So you know, when you're, that's always nice to have that at the end. In theory, could something to just bolster the, the record at the end. Um, looking at the Seahawks game, I am very excited for that one. I get kind of there's that dichotomy between Russell Wilson and potentially with Fields. So hopefully, like, you get a little bit of a look there. And then, like I had said earlier, with that Packers game, even I know that's, you know, a little earlier there, but having that game against hopefully a Rogerless Packers team is really going to set us up really nicely to have a nice divisional record. Yeah, that that would really help us uh, tremendously, uh, to say the least. Uh, when you do see these back-to-back primetime games, as a Bears fan, how do you feel? I know you like watching this team in primetime, but just knowing how the Bears, I feel like whenever there are back-to-back primetime games, it's there are seasons I can remember that it works out well, and there are seasons I remember where it's back-to-back weeks of just pure embarrassment. Yeah, I'm always torn as a Bears fan because – I like the idea of watching them and the announcers are always better, right? You get just the, those grade A 
announcers who are going to be talking about your team. But I just consistently have memories of Monday and Sunday night football games where the Bears just don't do well. <laughs> they just don't ever do great. And part of that is just the talent level that you have at the time and things like that. But then especially having those back-to-backs, like, you know, it's it's always hard staying up that Sunday night football game when you know you got to be at work early the next day. And that's always really selfish on, on your end. Same thing with, like, that Monday night game. You're up late knowing I personally, like, I work at 7 a.m. on Tuesday. So it's always rough, but you want to finish it out. This is going to be a Vikings game. So in theory, it'll be either close or hopefully a win. Um, so as the fan would prefer just getting those noon games in, but there's just that other side of you that just likes the production value. And that also means that the NFL and finally some of that national media actually think you're worth having on that stage. And that's nice, right? You're worth having there. You're not being hidden away the whole time. I like that. Yeah. You're not stashed away at the noon card with every other game going on that week. I like that perspective a lot, but you're not wrong, especially with doing post-game shows and the production of the podcast and all that. Those are late nights, um, but I don't mind them one bit, especially after wins, losses, they get a little tough uh, when you wake up in the morning for work, as you mentioned. So as I went through the schedule, I kind of talked about where every team ranked in terms of average offense and defense. I love doing this every year and I always keep track. So I want to share this real quick. So the average offense against in terms of yards is 15th, uh, which last year is 20, uh, in 2020, that was 14th. Uh, the point scored is 14th, which is the same kind of average ranking that we saw last year for the whole season. But things on defense get really interesting. So the average defense against in terms of yards allowed is 15th. Last year, this time, looking at the upcoming schedule, that was 20th. In 2018, it was 21st. 2019, it was 16th. So we're getting a much harder schedule when it comes to the defenses that we're playing. And that's also very true for the points allowed, which is 16th, uh, which that was also ranked 20th last year as well. And then this year we play uh, five top 10 offenses that finished last year in yards and five offenses that finished in the top 10 in points scored. Uh, Last year we had four and three. And then we go against, this is the kicker. Out of all the numbers, this is the kicker, Mason. We play five top 10 defenses in yards as well as five top defenses in points allowed. Last year, we played zero top 10 defenses in the prior season in yards allowed and only one that finished in the top 10 in points allowed. And now we're playing five of each. So it just shows how much more difficult the Bears offense is going to have it this year. And for an offense that... Last season finished in the very bottom or near the very bottom in a lot of major statistical categories. That, that gives me a little worried, but I do have faith that with some of the additions this year, uh, both the offensive line, you can't really not get excited thing about Justin Fields as well. Uh, hopefully, uh, and you don't have Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback, this all should help. And then on top of that too, uh, just when you look at the whole season, uh, to just a bigger takeaway, we talked about uh, Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, um, but I don't think we should sleep on like uh, Russell Wilson, uh, you know Jones, even Baker Mayfield. They're all really they're guys that can do damage with their feet and they're mobile and they're agile. And I think throughout the whole season that may be something that we need to kind of keep tabs on. But outside of that, I have a few other bigger takeaways. But I did want to hand it back to you. When you look at the whole schedule, what stands out? One thing that I think stands out to me is that as you get closer to the end of that season, I'm not quite as scared of a lot of those defensive and specifically the defensive fronts. And the re- and the reason I point that out is with the questions we have at offensive line, we think that it's going to be okay, right? Because they finished strong last year. Sam mm-hmm. Musfer came in at center. You didn't have to worry about Cody Whitehair. That's not really his best spot. It is better at guard. You're going to have James Daniels going back. But then you potentially weaken that line a little bit with Charles Leno leaving because now the tackle position is a little bit in question. So I would rather get those defenses earlier in the season when I'm more likely going to have Andy Dalton starting instead of having my brand new shiny round one quarterback potentially getting beat off the edge blindsided because we're not 100% sure where that offensive line is going to be. Yep, we do play those easy defenses early. Uh, after week one, uh, which, again, really good defense there in L.A., uh, we play four defenses in a row uh, that were either 20th uh, or worse in both points and yards allowed. 
and then it gets really tough after week four. So you're looking at like weeks five through 12. We play primarily top 10 uh, defenses from 2020. And then even after that, it's still really good uh, in terms of level of competition. So unfortunately, like you said, we do kind of get those easier defenses, at least from last season. And I know we have to take all this with a grain of salt because teams change each and every year. Um, But when you're just looking at what we have to work with right now, uh, the easy ones get out of the way early, which could maybe help. Andy Dalton just a little bit uh, in his graces with Bears fans, but uh, also later on in the year uh, when we would hope Justin Fields gets you know inserted to the lineup, it's going to be tough on him as well. Uh, looking at my notes, uh, we have five primetime games, uh, four come week nine or later, which I think comes to the Justin Fields uh, expectation uh, that the NFL is putting the Bears under as well. And then all of the Bears road opponents only, so not including like uh, divisional opponents, um, but all of the Bears' road-only opponents, I noticed, have a winning record last season. Uh, so that's going to be a test. Going on the road, and each and every time, uh, besides the Lions and Vikings, that road game is going to be going up against a team that at least finished last season with a winning record. And then, I know we didn't really point it out yet, but the home and away alternating, uh, so away and home, away and home, it's very rhythmic. Uh, it's also interesting. I can't ever recall seeing a schedule for any team in any sport, uh, maybe Pop Warner, uh, that look like that. So I think there's a few ways to look at it. And I'm curious which lens you do, Mason. Uh, my perspective is this could potentially make for a good routine. Uh, you know where you're at. You know what you're doing one week at home, one week on the road. Uh, no back-to-back long road trips. You know, going back to the West Coast a couple times, we didn't have to get uh, clobbered with a Seattle trip, coupled with a trip over to LA, coupled with the trip over to Las Vegas. Like those are staggered pretty well. But how about you? Do you like the alternating? Uh, are you upset there aren't like a, a nice stretch of home games? I know that also means a stretch of away games. Uh, what's your perspective on the alternation of home and away? Yeah, honestly, I really like it too. Cause like you're saying, when you have two, three home games in a row, which is really nice for you as a player, right? You're in that routine, you're at home, all that stuff. That means at some point you're going to have a lot of away games. And the thing that's really nice when you think about where Chicago's located, it's very central, right? So yes, if you have to make the trek all the way out to LA, but then you come back right to the middle, right? Of Chicago to be up home, that makes it significantly easier if you now have to, well, in this case, you're going to Cleveland. So it's not exactly that far. But if you had to now go across <laughs> to the East Coast, you don't have to go all the way from, let's say, LA all the way to, you know, to New York you're able to make that pit stop in the middle, kind of get your bearings back before you make that transition over. And again, putting the little science hat on, that's the circadian rhythms are huge. You know, the, the consistency of the sleep cycles, the consistency of being able to get into in and out of that routine. So being able to do that sets up a lot nicer than if you had that slate of games where you're going cross country back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, exactly. So I'm glad you think about it too, uh, in a similar fashion. I like the going even this step further with the, you know, the sleep cycle and all of that as well. Is there anything else that when you look at the whole schedule uh, as a complete whole that stands out to you or any other takeaways that just uh, you want to mention before we kind of get into our uh, other talking points? Looking at the schedule as a whole, you almost kind of look back and say, I kind of wish the Bears had lost one or two more games to drop lower so they would have had easier opponents. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that, that would have been nice. This is a very tough schedule i think it's like third overall uh last year's combined winning percentage is uh about what uh 0.550 and then uh one more thing i wanted to note just looking at the whole thing as a whole uh is that there are seven opponents that we're going up against that were playoff teams uh and since one is green bay which means we play them twice eight of the 17 games will be against teams that made the 2020 playoffs so there's going to be a lot of competition uh, throughout this entire schedule. And there's some teams here, as we mentioned, like the Cardinals, the 49ers, and the Giants that are probably going to play a little bit better than their previous seasons indicate, too. So it's really shaping up to be a doozy of a year here for the Bears. But, and now, even though I said all that, I'm really curious. Uh, we're, let's look at some easiest versus hardest stretches. And I just want to start with the easiest one because I kind of laughed. Uh, and kind of scoffed at myself uh, when I was going through my notes trying to figure out what the heck is the easiest point of this entire schedule. So I'll let you go first because I was going to say I don't think there is a wrong answer, but there's definitely wrong answers. But what stands out as easy? Because there's maybe a game or two 
that you can say like there's a duo of games like oh okay that's not bad but i can't look at like a portion and say that's an easy portion and we could we can sweep this this quarter of the season or anything like that like you said it, it there's so much up and down with this schedule. So it's hard to get a really slate of games. That's like the easiest, but potentially that week two through six area could shape up to be potentially the easiest. Cause you have a team in Cincinnati that, you know, they weren't great even with Joe Burrow last year, they were, there were two, seven and one, and then he got hurt. So he's still going to be coming back from that ACL injury. Cleveland's always a question mark. They're still young. They're still up and coming. Baker Mayfield has hit ups, his ups and downs. Detroit, until you until Jared Goff and Detroit can prove that they're good, I'm going to mark that as a win. I, I just can't. I can't take Dan Campbell seriously. <laughs> He's talking about biting kneecaps and stuff. So prove prove me wrong. And then you know, then you have the Raiders who, similar, they're just, again, another up and down team where you never really know where they're going to come in to play. And then lastly, I'm, in my heart, going to assume Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be there. So that's where I'm going to say group. So that's where we Green Bay. So that week two through six for me is probably the easiest stretch that i can talk myself into okay i'm actually in a whole opposite side of the schedule than you man i am weak uh anything after week 11 uh we have the lions the cardinals the giants i feel like okay i, I feel really i feel confident that we'll again lions like you said I, I'll, I'll mark that as a win for now cardinals giants giants we have some tough games against them lately uh they're always really tough games but the bears i feel like could have the edge there and then the cardinals depending on how their offense shapes up, if that defense doesn't skip a beat, give or take. But then we also have Minnesota twice. And I don't know what Minnesota, what kind of team we're going to get out of them this year. And I know Green Bay and Seattle are kind of crammed in there, um, but I was trying to find a whole portion. And again, I couldn't find a lot. So I was like, I'll take a bigger sample size. I'll make sure to mention the outliers of Green Bay, potentially, uh, and Seattle. Um, but the end of the season, and then also thinking about Justin Fields under center, maybe that's, quote, easiest, but... Even looking at the defenses, it's going to be a tough one, too. What about the hardest? Uh, this one is easier, <laughs> but also harder because they're all kind of tough stretches. Uh, for me, I'm going, I, and this is for me using maybe more brain than heart, assuming Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay, and that's a big assumption as we know, but right now he's on a roster. Uh, weeks 5 through 11, you have the Raiders, Packers, Buccaneers, 49ers, Steelers, Ravens. I feel like you have the buy in there too, but I feel like that slab of games are, uh, it's going to be a tough one. And presumably again, Andy Dalton's under center. So that kind of changes things up a little bit more from a perception of how I expect this offense uh, to perform and what kind of, you know, method that they're going to attack these defenses with. So for me, the hardest stretch may be like the heart uh, of the season there, right there between weeks five and uh, 11. How about you? So actually, I 100% agree, except I refuse to use my brain and will only use my heart. <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers is going to be nowhere near the Packers unless he's actually defecating on their facility in anger. So I just cut that game out. <laughs> so it's I thought it was going to just be 7 through 11. The okay. Tom Brady revenge game <laughs> with the Buccaneers. Kyle Shanahan's just this amazing coaching guru that's going to get the most out of his team. The Steelers game on a Monday night is going to be tough. You lick your wounds during a bye and then Lamar Jackson running all over you. It's, it's a tough stretch. Yeah. So you just pruned off a little bit of mine, focus yeah. on another one. Hey, we're, we're very much uh, at least aligned there, but that's, I think that's going to be a pivotal moment of the season though. How the bears, not just how they perform in those games, but how quickly do they pull the trigger, right? How quickly in there do they panic and put in Justin Fields? Do they wait it out? It's really interesting because that can change the entire dynamic of the second half of the season, how that stretch goes. All right, Mason. So something that we do in a normal year, 2020 was not a normal year, but we like to do an annual meetup. Uh, we've done it uh, a Chiefs game in 2019, 2018. We went all the way to Miami. I know Nick's been wanting to go to a road trip and he's been wanting to go to Vegas there, which is going to be in October. Do you have a game uh, that you that sticks out to you that if you're going to join us for like a road trip or just a meetup this year that uh, you would put, I guess, your vote toward? I think the easy answer really is that that Las Vegas game. I mean, the the new stadium is going to be really cool. I've personally never been to Vegas. I'm not much of a gambler, to be quite honest. You know, I'll throw $5 on a sports bet here or there. Um, but 
it also has some storylines to it, right? It has that revenge game aspect. It's a, it seems like it'd be that fun road trip. The easy, again, the easy answer seems like Vegas. Second for me would be Seattle because I think I've never been to Seattle. So I think that'd be fun. So you, so you said you grew up in Seattle. No, I've never been to Seattle. Oh, what the heck was I listening never. to? Let me, let me never put it in my AirPod and push it in my ear just a little bit tougher. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I've never been to Seattle either. I've actually, the most west I've gone was like a northern part of Minnesota. Uh, I had to look at a, a map to kind of figure that out between a few of the states I've been to. So I would love to go west, which Vegas to me is west. Uh, I still want to go to LA, uh, which week one though would be interesting. And I know prices for that game it will be probably a little bit out of the ballpark and then i guess a sneaky one for me monday night football in pittsburgh in the middle of fall would be i think that'd be a lot of fun uh, there's a lot of history in that town uh, i've never been to the east either <laughs> i, I kind of just go central where i'm at uh, weirdly enough right down the midwest uh, so for me even going east uh, the heinz field i think would be a really fun one too under the lights pittsburgh two black and blue type of football teams to me that one is maybe a not a, all the bells and whistles, but as a Bears fan, I think that'd be another really interesting one to travel to as well. What about a home game? Is there a home game that sticks out? To me, it's either Cardinals or Ravens. Oh, yeah, I was going to say absolutely. The, those, are, those are the two I would go with. Um, I would just think, I don't know, weather-wise, I would probably lean more towards the Week 11 Baltimore game before Thanksgiving because now you start to get a little chilly in Week 13, but that's just nitpicking. Um but I think that Arizona, it's going to be such a high octane game with that Arizona. I, I think it's going to be a high scoring game. That would be probably more fun. But the allure of, of the Lamar Jackson, I love their black uniforms, with that purple in it. It's just, it's a sexy jersey. So, like, I just love that, the look. It's a nice one. My uh, my younger brother, he's a he's a big Baltimore fan. He's been away for years, and I have a hunch that he's going to try to get us to go to that game too. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Uh, so we have two more agenda items, and I'm very excited for both of them. The first question, it's a big one. When will Justin Fields make his first career start for the Chicago Bears? Oh, I'm pondering. Okay, so I have I had an answer now. I'm questioning my answer, but I'm gonna say he's gonna premiere week 12 against the Lions on Thanksgiving. Why so? So why not immediately after the bye? Do you feel like they're gonna just be stubborn and feel like we'll get Andy Dalton and then he's gonna pull through? Because we talked about it. That's a tough point of the tough stretch of the season. Yeah. And then afterwards, like something bad happens against Baltimore where it's just, you know, final straw. And then Lions, I guess, is a little uh, easier from there. Uh, and that enters, I think, right when I said that things get a little easier in my stretch. So that would make sense. Um, but is that kind of your thought process behind it? For the most part, I, I yes, it makes probably, first of all, the Bears are terrible out of eyes. So let's True. going out of the buy is not always the best, um, but coming out of the buy and going against a team like Baltimore, where you're thrust immediately into, you probably are going to have to score a lot, right? The defense is really solid. That just seems like that's asking a lot of Justin Fields where you can use the buy and still treat him. If anything, elevate him to that one B starter status and give him a lot of still practice reps in that starter mentality and be like, Hey, look, yeah, we're not starting you week 11, but depending on how this goes, we may start you week 12, wink, wink. And then go that route. And yes, it's going to be a shorter week, of course. You know, you're playing on a Thursday. But again, it depends on how you handle those previous two weeks. I just don't like the idea of, I think it has to be around that time period. Because again, the beginning of the schedule is not too bad. I just don't see Andy Dalton doing terrible in that stretch. Then it gets really rough in the middle here. And you're not going to throw him in there. So it really does have to be either right away at week 11 or you wait a titch. And that's why I went to week 12. I just don't like throwing fields to the lines of, of Baltimore. But to, but you can throw them to the Lions at Detroit. Yes, the Lions at Detroit are not really Lions. Those those are Cubs at best. <laughs> I like it. All right. Uh, for me, I had notes pretty much almost dotted every week at one point or another, I felt like. Uh, I think after the bye is an easy one. Uh, as you just mentioned, it just feels right. Uh, it feels planned. I just feel like things don't go according to plan. So I'm going to just say it's going to happen prior to the bye, right before the week nine, that Monday nighter against Pittsburgh. Something about it. And then making that debut, I think Mitch made his debut, right? Monday night Vikings. Mm -hmm. So another yeah. Monday night debut for uh, Chicago Bears first round rookie 
quarterback in Justin Fields. That's you know, almost kind of throwing at the wall and see if it sticks. Um, but well, that's kind of where I'm at. I don't think week one makes any sense as much as I would love to ride that hype train of knowing we're going into week one with Justin Fields ready to battle. I just don't see the Bears doing it. And that's the thing. There was actually a, Matt Nagy had gone on, I believe it was the Rich Eisen show. And he made a couple comments that were really interesting. That really just shows, I think, how far, not behind Fields is, but just becoming an NFL player. Um, he said, and I quote, he's sending us clips uh, of just the simplicities of calling a cadence at the line of the scrimmage from his bedroom. So we can hear the cadences and what it sounds like in his voice inflection. So this is a kid who has never really had to huddle. And you hear, you, we all know the story, the Patrick Mahomes screaming during the first rookie training cramp because he never had to do it that way either. There's just a lot to learn about being a professional NFL player that Fields doesn't quite have yet. So if you have the ability, you know, if you're grading out what it looks like during, you know, after training camp and it's even within the same ish letter grade, like Dalton's a B plus and Fields is a B, or even if they're both at that B plus, you, you go towards the Dalton route and just kind of protect Fields a little bit. Just give him some more time to actually learn. Unless it's a huge gap, like you're leaving training camp and you're like, Fields is the guy. I mean, this guy's a baller. Like, well, how can we keep this guy on the bench? Unless that it's that big of a gap, you, you can't throw him in there. All interesting points there. Mason, the last thing that we need to do, and there's not a lot of pressure here. It's just our way too early record predictions. And Mason, since you're on the show, uh, I will make sure when we make our official record predictions, uh, geez, when do we usually do that? It's, it's either right before training camp or right before the season. Whenever it is, you'll come on, so that way you can make a more accurate one uh, after we know, you know how everything's shaping up and things of that nature. Oh, and by the way, uh, I will let you know, I did give Nick an offer, because uh, he's not here today, uh, to let us know his thoughts for when Justin Fields will start, as well as his early record prediction, and he said, to be determined. Uh, so we're we're waiting uh, on that one from Sir Nicholas. So again, no pressure here. Uh, we're going to be able to change it. But as the schedule comes out, as the draft class kind of gets uh, a little bit more solidified in our mind and how the roster is shaking out, knowing Charles Leno Jr. is gone. And I feel like the final Ducks are kind of putting themselves in a row here. What's your final, well, not your final, sorry, your way too early final record prediction? So I went game by game, really thought about currently has things sit and how how I truly feel it's going to go. I ended up at nine and eight. Nine and eight. Okay. See, I'm sitting here at 11 and six. And now maybe we flip roles. And now I'm thinking more with my heart instead of my brain. And you kind of went more in brain instead of heart. So now we're doing a little bit of an inverse here. But uh, losses, uh, my losses, I have them to the Packers, Bucks, Steelers, I have a splitting the Minnesota series Seahawks and I put Brown's question mark. Uh, and again, the good news is as you, as I, you and I were talking before we went live here, Mason, when you look at them, even though this schedule's tough, you almost can find ways that the bears could win most of these games. Uh, they should be in them. Uh, and I was also letting you know, I was having a late night thinking about last season and out of the eight losses, I realized, you know, five of those were by, seven or less points, and I just kept, I couldn't sleep that night. I just kept thinking about Justin Fields, and you have to think Justin Fields, even in last year's offense, gives you that touchdown over a Nick Foles or a Mitchell Trubisky. So then if that does happen, you're looking at a 13-3 and record uh, for the Bears last year. So maybe they're a little closer than we would hope, but we'll see. But I'm sitting here at 11-6. Plenty of time to have those numbers go up or down, and also, I don't know about you, but when you wrote down your number and it added up to 17, did you have to like do like a double take? Cause like 11 and six sounds so weird. I counted this so many times. Like I count every single time I went through all of them and it was like nine and eight. Wait, is that right? And actually funny. I originally had them at 10 and seven, but I realized I had them sweeping the division doing that. And I was like, I don't, I can't have them do that. So then I gave them a loss to the Vikings to make nine and eight. Do you have them sweeping the AFC North? I think in 2017, when we did play the AFC North last time, we did give them the boot and we cleaned them out. I have them losing to the Steelers and to Cleveland. That's what I had. So there we go. We were very much aligned there. So you said nine and eight. I almost said nine, nine and seven. And nine and eight. Eleven and six. Way too early record prediction for the Bears. Knicks. To be determined. So we'll say he did what? 0 and 17? Oh, absolutely. 0 and 17. Justin Fields never starts a game. 
Yep, that's the analysis that we would expect from Nick on the show. So I think that's 100% accurate. Miss Trubisky outplays him in the preseason game that they have against the Bills. So oh, just, I feel like yeah. I'm just channeling Nick right now. That's 100% correct. Uh, it, it's really impressive skills uh, that you have there. Any final thoughts uh, before we wrap up here, Mason? Are you excited, uh, as I am maybe, that rookie minicamp is happening over the weekend? Uh, we'll get some of our first glimpses of uh, Justin Fields and a Beard's practice uh, uniform, uh, slinging that rock around Hallis Hall. That would be you know, getting some of those video highlights to him throwing against, you know, uncovered receivers is what I'm looking forward to this weekend. I haven't been excited for rookie mini camp training camp the seasons in a long time, probably since, since 2000, after 2018, uh, just the presence that Justin Fields brings is just something that I, that you strive for. And even when you had the excitement of some of these previous years, it was different, right? It was a difference because the whole team just had a bit of a vibe to it, but, there's just a swagger about him. You know, I fin- actually got to finish watching QB one that season two and just the, his presence he had in high school. It was something that was really cool to see and how calm his demeanor was. And just having that person that's so even keel, I already have two Justin Fields jerseys ordered to be quite honest. I'm, I'm all on the hype train. I love it. Uh, where did you get that season of QB two? Did they put it back on Netflix or no? So Do we need I to talk about a- this offline? Yeah, there's a certain post that leads you to another place that has mm. all 10 episodes. Okay, understood. Uh, we, we can talk about that here in just a couple of moments, but I'm glad you ordered some jerseys. I will not do that to him uh, because I just know my track record, and I appreciate him already, Justin, that I will make sure that I give him all the space to succeed here in Chicago. But that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank you all for the times. Everyone here is watching live on YouTube, Facebook Live, uh, Periscope. We really do appreciate you. And of course, to the thousands of podcast listeners around the globe, uh, just know that we appreciate you too. It doesn't matter how you consume our show. Uh, we really do uh, love the camaraderie of all of our fellow, I'll say it, my Bears brothers. Why not? Up next, I think Nick and I are going to talk about the offseason as a whole. Uh, I'll give you some more details here uh, throughout the week. And just a quick reminder, we're getting very close to beginning our annual Countdown to Camp series, our position-by-position Bears preview leading up to training camp. But until next time, Bear Down Chicago.